Welcome to the Strange Currencies Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Glenn. And this is Tim's voice. Hmm. Tim isn't here right now, but his voice is... I don't get it. Should we be alarmed? Yeah. Wow, where's Tim? It's spooky. That is spooky. We hear his voice. Yeah. Is he alive? So, we were just talking Mm -hmm. off off camera. (laughs) Uh, Podcast. Yeah, this is a podcast. Yeah. So... If you're not listening on an iPod, stop right yeah. now. You have to listen on an iPod. You have to attach it to a fishing line and then cast it into the sea. If you're really legit. Yeah. But but Glenn has just informed us that the uh, iPod has been discontinued. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently they're not making iPods anymore. So this may be our last podcast, I guess. <laughs> mm. well, people, th- th- those things last a while, right? I mean, I know they stopped like, supporting them with uh, like you know upgrades or whatever. So maybe a couple years, and then no one will be able to hear us anymore. Mine, mm-hmm. mine died. I, I ended up buying like four of them, I think, over the nice. course of the life of the iPod. And the last one I bought was in 2007, and it lasted about 11 or 12 years. Wow. And died. I feel so like it, I still have a couple in my like bedside yeah. cable drawer. <laughs> That's where they belong. That's the iPod uh-huh. drawer. That's yeah. the iPod drawer. <laughs> I never had an iPod. I just had like the MP3 player okay. kind of thing. I think I had a... Oh, I don't even remember a... And a lira, maybe? I had a diamond Rio really early on, but okay. that kind of sucked. Mm. Anyway, I'm not fancy. Not all all of this sounds made up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> diamond Rio. That Did you buy it at the dollar store? Band? Dollar General? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, Tim, you were running late today. Do you want to mm-hmm. give some uh, insight into what happened there? That's or, why we only hear are, are, you, are you legally yeah, able right. to do so? Uh, yeah, I'm, I won't specify locations. Um, yeah. I came straight from work, and I was a little late. I guess we had just a minor bomb threat. Ah, nothing to be trifled with. Wow. Uh, where, you know, it's a secure building, but we had like an intercom up front. And some guy apparently hit the intercom and said he had a pipe bomb in his car across the street. And so it was like, okay, everybody, this is happening. And uh, we might die. Or he's probably just crazy. And he was just crazy, I think. Like we went out to the windows and like I filmed him a bit. He's just yeah. kind of wandering around. He had this weird like blue fake microphone that he kept talking what into. was that i don't know <laughs> i don't know i texted back i was like pixar didn't happen yeah and then yeah. i was like was <laughs> that a little too soon like is this i don't know if this is serious it's and then you sent add, me a pic yeah. you actually had a pic i was like wow mm-hmm. okay well except there's a little play thing i thought that that was going to be a video or something uh well it was a still from a video okay because i okay. and i've been dealing with that right now uh using your wi-fi i'm trying to like i my phone is taking forever to generate a link to it so I can send it to my bosses as oh. like evidence. Okay. evidence. Wow. Uh, okay. But, you know, he wandered around and then we, a, a cop, the cops eventually came and arrested him. But then we still had to stay in the building because they had to like make sure he didn't actually have a bomb in his car. Uh, and then they let us go. So it was wow. fun. It was exciting. Wow. Yeah. This is just further evidence that Portland mm-hmm. is over. <laughs> that, that's not, oh, well, sorry. I won't go any, any further. Of, uh... <laughs> yeah. Not, we're not necessarily Portland proper, mm-hmm. uh, that building. But, yeah. uh, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, crazy people. Crazy are, people yeah. everywhere. Uh, making threats. You know, they're just having a good time. Yeah. No big deal. No harm, no foul. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> You're cool, buddy. Just yeah. uh, don't do it again. Just, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey, I, I mean, we already know that, that people who commit light treason basically just <laughs> get a slap on the wrist, too. Usually, uh, dear. Yeah. That's... that's that's Oregon for it's the American way. Yeah. Can we can, can we talk about that? Or is that too soon? It's too maybe, close. maybe it's a little too soon. But too I, I'm I'm dragging a little bit this morning. I was a little bit out a little bit late last night celebrating my uh, 
triumph over, yeah, say, uh, domestic terrorists. Domestic terrorists yeah. take one in the teeth. Yeah. Uh, thanks yeah. to our patriot. Yep. Patriot <laughs> in our hearts. Yep. I, I Thank do you, what Matt, I can. for yeah. doing, doing your service. Yep. I, I, I believe in the red, white, and you. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's good. All right. Um, so... All right. Uh, any other happenings? We got a, like a what week left of work. I yeah, I'm ready for summer. I've already been. I haven't started wearing shorts to work yet, but that's more because of you know global warming and well, stuff. And, I've seen your legs. Uh, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I, I need to. I'm feeling it. I'm ready. I need. I'm breaking out the flip flops. I'm gonna go. You know, put the winter clothes away. It's and, been really wet and right? kind of humid and stuff the last couple of days. Persistent wet. Yeah. Yeah. It's but it's been lame. I'm ready to just be lazy mm-hmm. and leave me alone. Well, theoretically, we're going to record our next episode of this two weeks from today. Okay, because that's what we typically do. Okay. And I got a feeling that that we're going to sound much much reju- much more rejuvenated, rejuvenated yes. uh, for that one. Although I'm pretty fired up for this one, I guess. Maybe it's mm-hmm. again yeah. coming off of the adrenaline from from my victorious, uh, you know. verbal smackdown uh-huh. last night, but or just the the adrenaline rush of of Tim's yeah, bomb brush stand. with death. Brush with right. death right? Exactly. I think that's a fair way to characterize well, if, it. If you guys feel alive, that's great. You can carry this one. Oh, um, I see what you did there. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, um, I don't know that we have anything else. I, I mean, I'm drinking water. It doesn't look like either of you are drinking no, anything. No so. It's too early. I got to get to a baseball game mm-hmm. later. Yeah. It's freaking. Is it raining out? I don't know. Mm. It's the. This ball field's gonna be a mud pit. It's, it's oh, yeah, rain, I didn't yeah. even think about mm-hmm. that. It's, Is that game gonna happen? I don't know. And then, and now I gotta rehash up the gr- grunge. It's yeah. like, <laughs> and then go stand out on a wet sponge right? for two hours exactly. watching eight year olds play baseball, swing and miss off of a bad pitching machine. Yeah, sounds fun. Yeah. Loads. All right. Well, hey, we're gonna take a quick break, and we will return with our uh, our theme. on the Strange Currencies podcast. Um, who wants to set this week's topic up? Uh, not not Glenn is very <sighs> negative about this week's topic. Yeah. Just putting that out there. I, um, just... T- Tim, how about how about you take this one? Well, okay, so <laughs> we're talking about Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. And this actually came up in our last podcast. It did. Like we were so sitting here saying we should do this podcast. Not a and so huge now surprise. here we are. Yeah. Um, I, and by the way, I, I take this episode as um kind of a support or what is it? It's an affirmation of my love for 311. Uh, uh, <laughs> so you're responsible is what we're saying. No, I'm just saying like, hey, uh, this is a really mainstream band we're going to talk about. Maybe they have some, maybe there's good stuff within their sort of mainstream output. Like 311. Yeah, like 311. And uh, like... You know, maybe if you've never heard of the Fishmen or whatever the fuck. Uh, Fishmen's. Fishmen's. Yeah. Okay. Or, you know, wh- whoever else. But These other know, obscure bands obscure that we're talking bands. about, like the we're Beatles. Such, and, yeah, the yeah. Beach Boys. Yeah. 
we're such elitists about, then, you know, maybe this is a little bit more comfortable for you. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll talk these guys into doing a 311 episode. No, probably not. Okay. I only really like one of their albums anyway. So if, if we have one that is like set to actually be recorded on March 11th, Ooh. Then I'll honor that. So you look ahead okay. and you see what. I sat, swear, you if see, we're doing a 311 <laughs> podcast, I am. No, no, no. You you find the next Saturday mm-hmm. that, uh, or sorry, the yeah. next March 11th that happens on a Saturday, and we'll record a 311 podcast that day. Yeah. I will I will commit to that right now and watch. It's going to fucking be next year. I was going to say it might not be until like you it, know, it, it could be several years from now, but mm-hmm. but I will go ahead and right now. Commit to that. Okay. okay. It's, it's next year. <laughs> Is it, are you serious? <laughs> it's happening! <laughs> next, no! <laughs> March 11th, 2023. 3-11 oh, podcast. There we go. Next year, we can already tell y'all, sometime in uh, in late March, <laughs> there will be a, uh, a podcast out there for you oh, where we are talking about 311. It'll be the second time Glenn storms off in frustration after today. After today. (laughs) All right. So here's what this one's about. So not all of Pearl Jam. We wanted to talk about the 90s albums and sort of, I I don't know. I see this as kind of like reevaluating them, whether or not they're any good, how they changed over time, whether or not they were really like grunge grunge or something else. Yeah. I think we're going to call this the first of a new series Mm because we're going to have like more series than we have episodes, but this is going to be like revisiting Pearl Jam or something like that. Yeah. So So like the revisiting series. So we'll revisit 311 next year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The whole catalog though. Yeah. Well, we have plenty of time to plan. Maybe just the nineties like we did here. Yeah. But, but go ahead. Sorry, well, I 90s, keep jumping in and stepping on your I toes. I mean, that's here. pretty much it. The 90s were a magical decade. Absolutely. And uh, But there were also a lot of bad... There was a lot of bad stuff going around as far as music. Oh, yeah. Like radio, popular music. And bands that were just trying really hard to sound like Eddie Vedder. So... Yeah. I don't know. I think it's worth talking about how Eddie Vedder was like the one they were imitating. He was kind of an archetype there, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think one thing that, that's tough is sort of separating... Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder from the the multitude of yeah. you know kind of second rate mm-hmm. post grunge also rands like I think we use the the name Seven Mary Three yeah. in our last podcast them, and, sure. and it's like all right that's that's kind of scraping mm-hmm. the bottom of the barrel there and but Creed, you can you can see yeah Creed came a little later didn't they uh, I don't know probably they're one of them too even um, Scott Weiland Stone Temple Pilots mm-hmm. he sounded like he was trying to combine Vetter and Cobain's voice okay I think but yeah yeah bad news so should we be okay Do, doesn't Pearl Jam deserve some responsibility for that like No, because, I mean... The things that follow... It should say something if your legacy is (laughs) Seven Mary Three. Like, that's what you left behind. Do do we have to blame the Rolling Stones for Aerosmith? (laughs) Like, do we have to blame the Beatles for all of these terrible, terrible fucking bands? No, if if something is good, people are going to imitate it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And if something is bad, people are going to imitate that, too, in all likelihood. But... Something yeah. successful people Something are going to imitate. Something successful people. Yeah, yeah maybe that's what it is. Okay. Well, I think... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, so, uh, Tim, you wanted to start off with like an overview, right? Just sort of a, yeah. a history of this... Uh, See, this I think this smooth. is important. I think okay. the history is important because I think mm-hmm. that gives a little context. Because yeah. here, here's the other thing we have to we have to consider. We have to consider, okay, we I, I am 
you know, early 40s. So I was in the midst of this, you know, white guy listening to grunge when it came out. Ooh. I was hoping we were going to hold off on that word for as long as well, possible. It's gonna, what, it's, grunge? Yeah. Well, white guy. Or white guy. <laughs> early 40s. Uh, Caucasian male. Caucasian male. No, but, the, but the reality is, is that, that there is, uh, there's got to be context. Wait, wait, you're a WMA? What? 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 White Male, that, yeah, that the song on verses. Isn't that a, oh, the song is right. literally, yeah. See, I don't, is that what it stands for? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, white male American. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Oh, okay. I, I forgot. You're not a lyrics guy. <laughs> I'm not. I'm yeah. So anyway, go ahead. So I, I just think that to a certain extent, like there is a, a picture of Pearl Jam from within, from having lived through that era or whatever, and then looking back on that era. And maybe what I'm saying here is there's a certain amount of my perception of Pearl Jam that it's not you, it's me. You know, like the mm-hmm. whole... Sure. Um, How old were you, 1991? Uh, uh, 12, 13? Okay. I was nine. Yeah. So that I think that makes a difference. Because at that age, yeah. like a couple years makes a huge difference. But also like going through it and, and listening to and being, uh, you know, in teenager in the formative years when all this stuff is happening you see things and you're you're you know signaling oh am i am i part of this crowd am i part of this crowd or Mm -hmm. what is what are the associations with this and you know i mean that's kind of the the reason that we have therapists is like like my friends can't tell me because they're a little bit biased and it's like i can't hear it from them and and so like there's a certain amount of Pearl Jam that just makes me feel a certain way. And like, I don't know if I'm overreacting or not. Maybe I am, but I've got baggage. I think you're overreacting say, it, a little it, bit. It's but... baggage. It's like, it's personal. Um, yeah. That's your personal context. Yes. I want to do a little like general context. Well, but that's what I'm saying. I think okay. some general context speaks to that. Mm-hmm. So, and I am going to use the word grunge. Proceed. I have okay. on it. <laughs> well, cause Blood gates have opened. Well, here's the thing. Like, I don't know how closely correlated they are, but you know, hardcore punk was going on in LA at 79, 80, mm-hmm. uh, up in Seattle. What, like basically the first grunge band starts, I think in 1980 called green river. And they, I didn't look into when like hair metal started getting popular in the eighties, like, you know, Motley Crue kind of stuff, but that there's was some kind of undercurrent there everywhere because green river had some hair metal elements. Mm-hmm. Like they had the teased up hair and the eyeliner and stuff like that. But in that band was Stone Gossard and Jeff Ahmet, who would mm-hmm. later end up in Pearl Jam. Right. Also in that band were um, Mark Arm and Steve Turner from Mudhoney, and then some other guy, who I think became a lawyer or something. Uh, <laughs> but they broke up, so their sound was very dark and mm-hmm. like, it, you know, it was proto-grunge or whatever. But, but the um, fact that it, you also mm-hmm. dropped the word hair metal in there is telling. Right. Well, it is, but the thing, here's what happens after Green River breaks up. Mark and uh, Steve start Mud Honey. All the hair metal mm-hmm. influence is gone. Right. They're pretty much the, the not ideal, but just like the, well, maybe the platonic ideal. I, I don't know. The, what the Genesis, means. the archetype. They're the archetypal grunge band. Okay. Like they're, and they're still together. They never really made it huge, like big, mm-hmm. but they're like hometown heroes in Seattle. And their stuff is just like grunge music. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other two guys went off, Stone and Jeff, went to mm-hmm. a band called Mother Love Bone. Right. More hair metal. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And um, Andrew Wood died of heroin overdose, right. lead singer. So they started to form a new band. 
they were friends with the original drummer from Pearl Jam or from um, Soundgarden. No, no. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Chili Peppers, right, right, right. He he had a buddy named Eddie, who mm-hmm. I, I think the Wikipedia described him as one of his basketball friends. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he gave Eddie a uh, demo tape. Of Wasn't he like a guys. barista or something? Or like a what? A, a barista? Uh, I'm like, not sure. Or a I, don't know. I, I I should pull it up, but Maybe I'm just gonna I'm just gonna All say right. this, and, and we'll pretend yes. it's true, even if it's not. Uh, I remember some anecdote on the Wikipedia about him. Coming like listening to the demo tape and then going surfing and like writing the lyrics to yeah. alive while surfing. Yeah, I, I remember hearing that okay. years ago. Uh, so those two come up and I think there's maybe there's another guy. I don't know, uh, but that's Pearl Jam. So like when Green River splits off, it's like you know it's like a an atom splitting or something like yeah. that. You've got more like hair metal over here and, and just regular grunge over here. And they both kind of exist at the same time. So, like, mm-hmm. Pearl Jam, if anything, it was a combo, combo of, like, arena rock, hair metal, and the sort of dirty, grungy sound that mm-hmm. was sort of bubbling up at that time. And, right. and it seems like they phased that element of it out over time to yeah. a degree. And we'll get to mm-hmm. that as we'll we evaluate that. the oh. individual mm-hmm. albums. Okay. But I was going to say, like, the main... I think what it is is ambition. Like, Stone and Jeff, I think, from the beginning had this ambition. Because if you listen to Mother Love Bone, it's like, oh, they're trying to be, like a big band like they it's kind of mainstream radio friendly a little bit yeah um i just don't think it's it's not any good really yeah a- Andrew Wood's I, voice I, heard, is not I heard that album kind of phony, like not like, phony but just like cheesy yeah it, it, yeah the lyrics are really really right. really dumb too i mean they had that one song that was on the single soundtrack and so uh, a lot of you know people back in that day well like, okay we got to go back and get the that album you know it's like this if you were into pearl jam like here's mm, the yeah it's now, it's pretty yeah. it's pretty rough yeah but i think that was their ambition saying like hey let's try to do something that could be a little bit more marketable or whatever and then you know that went away and then they kind of went even harder and like let's get this guy from out of town with this great voice and then they really hit it hard like big rock album yeah lots of reverb mm-hmm. Well, uh, because we'll they get wanted in, to be famous, I think. We'll get into yeah. to that album mm-hmm. here uh, shortly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'd say maybe, again, the origins of the, the G word kind of music. Maybe go back a little bit further. I, we're doing Probably. Garage Rock Summer right now. Yeah. And I, I just put out a um, an article on Pacific Northwest Garage Rock mm. of the 60s. Mm-hmm. And okay. you can hear even some of that element. I mean, yeah. Fred Cole from Dead Moon was in a band mm-hmm. in the 60s oh, right. called The Weeds, which mm-hmm. turned into the Lollipop Shop. And they've got a song that's on the Nuggets comp from 68 called oh. uh, You Must Be a Witch, which is like this dark, punky nice. kind of mm-hmm. thing that, that you could say, all right, there's a definite yeah. grungy sound to that. And then if you hear a band like Wipers, Portland band from mm-hmm. late 70s into mm-hmm. the 80s, there's a definite element of that like layered guitar, grungy, you know, sort of dark sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, you know, it, it's one of those things where it just sort of evolves rather than emerges, you know? I think like, so. Like all sure. musical genres. Right. But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're part of that lineage um, for sure. But that doesn't I, make I, it good. <laughs> like... Just because it evolves from or uh, emerges from, maybe that's my problem well, is we'll I didn't get, like it. We'll get into some of the right. specifics here. L- let's okay. take another quick break mm-hmm. and then we'll come back beer. and talk Jeez. about <laughs> the uh, the first Pearl Jam album, right. uh, 10.
right, we're back on Strange Currencies podcast discussing Pearl Jam, and we're going to open uh, that conversation up with, fittingly, conversation about their debut album, 10, which, of course, has 11 songs on it, 10. <laughs> and I, I want to clarify that the guy from Red Hot Chili Peppers... Jack Irons. Jack Irons did not... Sounds like he doesn't didn't come up with better right away. He stayed down... He didn't appear on Pearl Jam in Pearl Jam until Vitology. Yeah, yeah. which is like '94 or something. Yep. Anyway, all right. So ten. Um, I was probably about twelve, I think, when when I became familiar with this album. Um, Glenn, you would have been slight, slightly yeah. older, yeah. a year older. Yeah. Uh, Tim was just a wee lad. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I even was aware of it when it came out necessarily. Okay. I, I don't didn't start listening to this kind of stuff until. I was a little bit older. Actually, I don't know. I was in sixth grade. How old are sixth graders? I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> ten? You were ten. Oh, I was ten when I probably wow. first listened you, to ten. It was, this was right targeted towards your demographic, <laughs> and you just ignored it. Actually, I don't think I listened to this whole album until much later. I think it was just the radio singles, like Even Flow and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, album was pretty huge. It was tough to avoid mm-hmm. if you were older than ten, I suppose. Um, and it, of course, comes up in this, you know, climate of, hey, let's all be obsessed with Seattle. Um, I think this album actually came out before Nevermind, but I don't remember hearing much about it, honestly, until maybe late 91, early 92 mm-hmm. uh, is when it really kind of seemed to, to break through to a larger audience. And I think some of that was probably just sort of residual effect of the, you know, blowing up of Nevermind. So it came out like a month before Nevermind, it looks like. Yeah. Um, all right, so... But, but okay, so even though technically it came out before, never mind, can I clarify that it, 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 it always seemed to feel like it trailed, never mind, in my eyes. It always... I, Just sequentially? That, no, like, like the narrative was, it was like a copy of. Oh. Or, I don't think or it an attempt a, of. Or is it like, oh. if you like this, you might like these guys exactly. too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. well, it felt mm-hmm. like... It felt like it was um, maybe perhaps like a, the label's answer or the the industry's uh, answer to, hey, if you like, never mind. Here's another band from Seattle. So, right. so, yeah. Oddly enough, I think that was like the real thing about like a band like Stone Temple Pilots. That was like, mm. oh, if you like Pearl Jam, right. here's here's a new Pearl Jam for you. It's not from Seattle. It's from like San Diego or something. <laughs> like, but hey, Eddie Vedder was from San Diego, so cool. Um, no, like. I I don't see Nirvana like fitting into the the DNA of what was considered no. the grunge thing. It was not at all. Like Pearl Jam to me sounds very much of a lineage with Soundgarden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains, yeah. Uh, to me, Nirvana's on its own different same. thing. Now now okay, could you trace some Pearl Jam through a band like Mud Honey? Absolutely. Yeah. Could you trace Nirvana through Mud Honey? Yes. Yeah. Um, but Nirvana just seems to me to be a different thing. Nirvana, I mean, they came out of left field. They were in Aberdeen. Yeah, they were friends with the Melvins, and, and they were more of an Olympia band than a Seattle band. Yeah, um, they were definitely more from like the punk mm-hmm. side of things than than the the big rock on like you said arena yeah. sort of style that Pearl Jam and even Soundgarden would have had. Yeah, punk with like Black Sabbath thrown in too. Yeah, yeah. And, and a little bit of the Beatles too. Mm-hmm. Like there there were hooks yeah. there. And I'm not saying there's no hooks in in 10 or, or you know Pearl Jam, but but it was to me Nirvana was pop music just 
pop music that was perfectly stylized for that moment in time. Yeah. Um, whereas it, it Pearl was, Jam was kind of, it, 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 and just the whole grunge thing was different. I think the only mm-hmm. real legit connection was one, Seattle, yeah. Washington mm-hmm. State Northwest, at least. Right. And then just sort of that media, like, okay, it's Pearl Jam and Nirvana, Pearl Jam and Nirvana. Like there was definitely yeah. this, hey, are you a Pearl Jam or a Nirvana? Like, and we'll talk about that as we get into the second album more mm-hmm. so. Um but yeah, like it, it arrives ten. That is arrives at this point in which there are a lot of eyes on Seattle, yeah. and just the music that was coming out of the Pacific Northwest. So there was definitely some some hype. But yeah, I think you're right at least in that the hype about Pearl Jam definitely followed the hype about Nirvana. Mm-hmm. But I don't see it as a like here's a, you know, sort of any kind of manufactured response. More just here is that media kind of narrative connection of, yeah, hey right. all of this mm-hmm. stuff is happening in in seattle so well and i think also that maybe kind of speaks to what tim was saying before about the you know where they're coming from is that there there's a it felt like there was a hint of oh this is what it takes to be successful yeah let's put this together mm-hmm. and and they you know they came from some of that hair metal stuff and you totally hear that in in 10 there's mm-hmm. like this you know polished guitar yeah. hard rock probably some pinch harmonics like i don't know i can't cite anything specific it, it, it just feels like i mean if you listen to the guitars mm-hmm. in pearl jam yeah. it it feels kind of arena-y yeah. whereas and, and like but polished and like and thoughtful and cock rocky yeah. the word we use here at strange currencies is hair hair it, yeah. it's pretty oh. hairy music right? yeah like there's some super hairy guitar solos like you can Where? picture you can picture like mike mccready he's actually the lead guitarist like closing his eyes as yes. he's playing some of these solos <laughs> like maybe not by, not yeah. quite sticking his tongue out but closing his eyes sure. for sure right Whereas, and, whereas Cobain's guitar work is much more like raw and authentic and gritty and messy and never would have closed his eyes as he was playing a solo, but might have rolled his eyes as he was playing sure, a solo. Right? Perhaps. It's a totally well, different vibe. Or he's just his head is pitched forward with his hair hanging in his Correct, face, as yeah. opposed to like pitched back, back with the, with the hair fan, flying in the. Flying his eyes the might be closed, but we wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right. yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So, the album was huge. It was everywhere. You mentioned the singles. So, you know, Alive, Even Flow, Jeremy. Those were the big three. Mm -hmm. Um, All of which were, like, ubiquitous. Um, And, and again, kind of tough to avoid, I suppose, if you were paying any attention to, you know, rock music at that point. And MTV at that point was Mm -hmm. actually playing videos. Oh, yeah. Jeremy video is pretty legendary. Yeah. uh, Yeah, Yeah. kind of legendary or iconic. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, is it common knowledge that Jeremy kills himself at the end, or is that like a fun fact? That I always felt like they kind of left it open to interpretation. Like, right. what well, is it? But but their read was yes, that it was my, suicide. I, I, my understanding not, was that I think there was like something edited out that showed that he killed himself. Uh, I think you might be right. Yeah. Actually about so that. like at the end when the, there's the class is all yeah, sort yeah. of frozen in place, spattered with blood. He doesn't kill them. It's because he just blew his brains out and it got Correct. all over them. So yeah. anyway. That's what they meant by Jeremy spoke in class today. Mm. Metaphor. Mm. Yo. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so, all right. I loved this album when it came out. I was all about it. Yep. Um, yep. You know, again, 12 years old. This is the hip thing happening new. And it, there was, again, sort of a, some of it was a narrative and some of it was real. Like there was this groundswell mm-hmm. that was against or a reaction to the hair metal of the 80s. And now kind of going back and listening to... 10 mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of shared DNA there oh, that yeah. I would not have wanted to admit. I don't think as a you know thirteen it's, or whatever year old, yeah. but it's there. Oh yeah, it's um, just when you're that age, it's like it's loud rock music. It's cool, you know. Just, I don't know. For, that's I, how see, it was for me. Well, that wasn't see I, as a young teenager. There was a lot of just that whole scene politic thing mm. that was already starting to creep into it. And to me, it was like I, I bought into the narrative that one. Nirvana and Pearl Jam killed hair metal, and two, <laughs> that that was something that needed to happen. Yeah. Right? Um, but going back and listening to 10, there is some real hair metal element yep. in, in that album, in the production of it, in sort of the the cocksure swagger, yeah, if you will. Presentation. Um, yeah. yeah, in the, the sort of... Guitar solos, too. Yeah. And Even the cover. I, 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 <laughs> and we'll talk... It we'll, feels we'll, like an anthem. A bunch of dudes yeah. just right. high-fiving each yeah. other. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into some more discussion of cover art. There's one particular album that I want us to, to kind of start to focus that around. But but yeah, like there are just those elements there where it, it it's kind of bro-ish. It is totally broish. It's it's a it's an album named after Mookie Blaylock, uh, yeah. uh, number ten, right? That's yeah, his number. That's where the name, so yeah. we're all high fiving because we're in a huddle because we're nerdy rocks, but we can also be jocks. And <laughs> yeah, we're I, I mean, and, and, and we got cocks. Whoa, hey, hey, mm. um, at all yeah. times with rock. I, I'll you know, in terms of the whole like sports vibe thing, I think Pavement has always pulled that off better. Like we're the, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The the dorky, you know, <laughs> Bob Nostanovich loves horse racing. <laughs> Balthus is a tennis player and stuff, but they, they're like into fantasy baseball, <laughs> things like mm-hmm. that. Whereas, yeah, Pearl Jam had that kind of like, I guess you could say, sort of jockish element yeah. to it. It was playing to the arenas. It was, you know, music that was being played in, in you know, commercial breaks. Somebody's and, doing a keg stand somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it, it appealed to that. And I think, you know, if you look at that rivalry that sort of emerged between Pearl Jam and Nirvana, that there was this whole kind of like, oh, are Eddie Vedder and Kurt Cobain friends or do they hate each other kind of narrative that was actually out there yeah. at that time. <laughs> um, you know, like you can see where somebody like... Kurt Cobain would have been very much put off by sure. yeah. by Pearl Jam. And he was. And he was. Vocal about it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do want to say, though, that... Uh, I mean, we talked about Andrew Wood's voice. And just singers in general, like a singer, a good singer, it's almost hard to pin down what it is that makes them special. Like, a lot of personality has to come through. Yeah. Whatever. I, th- I do think Vetter is their secret weapon, for sure. Like mm-hmm. especially early on when yeah. the music was more of that element where like eh, man that solo is really hairy right and you got this guy with his voice it doesn't sound like he's imitating anybody um, he's just mm-hmm. naturally gifted mm-hmm. uh, I, he's got a great range and like just a great sort of tone and personality coming through yeah, whether or not there's you a like lot it. of charisma yeah and and I know he obviously he gets kind of you know made fun of for that voice and and he did launch a million imitators but. He was really good and like felt really authentic. Right, right. And I, I, like, I do think he was their secret weapon. Yeah, there's a yeah, reason no, why I, people mm-hmm. imitated him. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. And and maybe that's again, it's not it's not you, it's me. <laughs> maybe there is that baggage that it feels contrived when I hear it just because there's been so much right. contriving of it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um it, it's an album that is aged strangely. Yeah. I don't love the whole narrative of oh this is aged poorly this is aged well because i think there's 
first off, I think there's a cyc- uh, cyclical nature to a lot of some of that stuff. Sometimes fashions come in and mm-hmm. out of style, and, and I think similar kind of things happen with, with music, um, that there are sounds that, I don't know, might have sounded really dated Innovative in the 90s the t- oh, that okay. now sound good today. Yeah. Like, I mean... I don't know. There's this whole renaissance happening right now about running up that hill, which is a mm-hmm. fucking great song. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe early 2000s that might have said, "Well, oh, that's so 80s sounding mm-hmm. and cheesy or, or whatever. But um, I don't know. This album has aged strangely in the sense that I look at it as a period piece almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it does feel I, very like of a time. I have a hard time going back and listening to it because it's so it feels so dated. Yeah. Uh, I do love Jeremy though. I think I'll always love that one. It, it's so weird. I hear that song once and I'm like, oh, this is so heavy handed <laughs> and so dumb. And, and, but then but then I just uh, like, you know, driving around mm-hmm. last night going where I was going. I was like, oh, okay. This is, this is pretty good because I just shuffled all of these uh-huh. albums and that one came on. I was like, you know what? Actually, this is this is a good song, yeah. and, and it's forever linked to the images of that video. It's right. an iconic video, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's maybe the highlight of the album. I think so. But I think Oceans is interesting because it's kind of a, a sidestep, you know, it's yeah, sort of I, different stylistically. But I like that one too, actually. I'm, like I'm glad that. you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, but just the, and I know this is just sort of this thing that everybody says, and oftentimes it's people who know nothing about music, but the production, I don't like the production, but there's specific elements of the production that are obnoxious to me. Just the cavernous reverb and the, Hey, we're, you know, like there's, there's this tambourine in Jeremy Mm -hmm. and it, it hits very rarely in the verses, but you hear it. It's like. It bit like this is like huge. Oh, this <laughs> ominous dark tambourine sound, Ooh. and it's like, but yeah, there's just such a heavy-handed treatment, um, yeah, of that that it was going for this very dark sound and and big sound. Yeah, I, I had to listen to Nevermind a little bit on the way over to cleanse my palate after listening <laughs> to Summit Ten because even though Nevermind is pretty glossy and it was mm-hmm. recorded in Sound City, you know, the magical Nev console, yeah. Neve console, whatever. Um, but it's still, it doesn't have all that reverb and it, ha- it it's loud without being like obnoxious about it or something like that. Yeah. It still feels like kind of punk rock. Yeah. And mm. then there's plenty of, of songs that I like and, and albums that I like that are heavily, heavily reverberated. I mean, yeah. we recorded one that I listened back to and I was like, oh, <laughs> reverb there. But, but uh, it just doesn't wear well on this music i guess for whatever reason Mm -hmm. now i don't know if either of you have ever gone and listened to that like 10 re it's remixed basically Mm. they they Mm -hmm. put it out a few years and and it draws back some of that interesting i didn't listen to that for the purpose of this the the whole idea was revisiting these albums as they were presented Mm -hmm. to us in the 90s i remember hearing that you know years and years ago um when i was at a very very low point of interest in pearl jam but Somebody I knew had gotten it, so I had him burn me a copy because I was like curious. Like, I don't like 10 because of the production. And, I mean, it, it minimizes some of those elements. But I think there's still things about those songs that I don't love, even when the production is maybe a little bit more palatable. Um, what is it about the songs you don't love? I don't Cause... know. There's just this... Uh, again, the guitar stuff doesn't always work. There are times where, where that like twin guitar mm-hmm. attacks, Stone Gossard and Mike McCready, where, where it like works really well. And then there's just those obnoxious again, mm-hmm. hair solos that uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm just not yeah. a fan of that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, 
there's an earnestness to it. Like there's this longing, like you sense that like Vetter is burying his soul or yeah, something. I was going to say like, however, even if you don't like the lyrics or if they're a little too on the nose or whatever, he at least was like telling stories. Yeah. He had kind of a poet's uh, sensibility. Oh, 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 an attempt yeah. to. And, um, but again, it felt like it was tainted by that bro feel. <laughs> and so yeah. that's what made it feel like a little bit off. You could tell he wrote these lyrics while surfing. So, uh. so it, it's, it's kind of, uh, to, to pull something in that we talked about last season, kind of Jim Morrison S, yeah. but, yeah. but not as embarrassing right. as not, the worst and, moments of Jim Morrison. And not as obvious and obviously trying. Yeah. Right. And like I said, like ultimately I think he's just trying to tell stories like, yeah. you know, your dad left or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like a, I don't know, <laughs> kid shooting himself in the face. Yeah, I definitely school. had lots of um, residual doors feelings when listening to this stuff. Yeah, like similar, a lot of similar kind of. Ugh, I need to open this. Ugh, feelings, you know. <laughs> Is that a beer or like a Shasta? It's not a beer Ooh, because you didn't oh. have any beer in your fridge. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, just some like yerba mates. That's Ooh. that's my kid and yes. uh, and a Coca Cola. So I'm I'm, right. I'm gonna do some Coca Cola. Right. Gotta do some Coke. All right, <laughs> we should get them to sponsor us. Um, small local company, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll, I'm sure they'll go far. All right, so any other like highlights from this album? Any anything else that stands out as positive? I like Mickey Jer- Blaylock. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy and Oceans are my highlights for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there were parts of it that just seemed really melodramatic. Mm-hmm. You know, like black. Oh, yeah. I want to like it. I know it's like a fan favorite, but it, it just seems like that is the moment where Creed is born in a sense. <laughs> yeah. Like you can picture whatever the Creed guy's name is, hearing that and envisioning himself singing it with his arms stretched yeah. out like this. I think you know? it's just Creed guy. I think that's his name. Creed guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's his, so um, Apollo I, Creed, actually, is yeah. his name. I do have this strange um, relationship with Rate Your Music. We talk about Rate Your Music a lot. Yeah. There are certain albums where I trust Rate Your Music where I'll go and I'll see, okay, what tracks did people on Rate Your Music mark as high? And I'll probably like them. Yeah. Conversely, there are albums where I see track listings and it's the opposite. Okay. I think this is one of them. Yeah. Uh, because I'm looking at Rate Your Music and Black is the highest rate. Uh, yeah, I, I noted that <laughs> so, as well too. So these are the kinds of people who are rating on Rate Your Music that are that. Well, so I, it I don't know about the kind of people. Well, it, I, I think there's an emotional resonance to that song okay. that probably works for a lot of people. And I, I won't hold it against them, but... This is the album, and, and maybe that to me is the song where you can see that Pearl Jam birthed or inspired a lot of bad music. Um, and and okay. I think it's unfair maybe to a degree to, to like blame them, sure. but there is that association. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't think Black is a bad song. I just think... I have these associations with yes, shit same. music that came out. It's not you, it. it's me. Well, yeah. I feel I feel a little bit better about the song now that I'm looking at the lyrics because I always thought he was saying something about her legs spread out before me. And these might not be right. I'm sure they're just from like AZ lyrics or whatever. But it says, uh, sheets of empty canvas, untouched sheets of clay were laid spread out before me. Okay. Oh, okay, good. So that's, that's less better. douchey. That's better, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, Probably wrong. You know, yeah, but it may be right. Um, Deep I, is the lowest rated song on Rate Your Music, so I might like that one. It, it's kind of forgettable. Like yeah. the second half of that album is 
a lot of hit or miss, but maybe more miss. Deep is just sort of forgettable. Garden isn't, it's just plotting and way too long. And release sounds nice, but again, that's a total, total Creed moment. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm with Tim. I actually like Oceans. There's just mm-hmm. this kind of low key. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's another one that's like low vibe. rated on Rate Your Music, but yeah. you know. Because it doesn't rock. It doesn't rock. Yeah. Doesn't have the hair. And and of the singles, mm. I would uh, would say that Jeremy is probably the highlight. Yeah. yeah. Of, of the three big singles, that was the one that that I think still just. Are we going to spend this much time on every Pearl Jam album? <laughs> Can we please go? Oh. All right. Well, let's let's take a quick Dear break. Lord. Then we're done with ten. Um, oh, uh, real quick though, you you mentioned rate your music. If you're rating this album on, on rate your music, what what score? Three and a half. half. Half to, to five. Three and a half. To, to five. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, three and a half. Three and a half for me as well, too. So okay. even though we're approaching this in very, very different ways, even though Glenn's like mm-hmm. over there wanting to trash it and I'm here trying to defend, all three of us say, yeah, it's a three and a half Well, album. sure. Rec- I mean, we're comparing this to what? Wilson Phillips and, <laughs> and Vo- Madonna and Vogue? I mean... Sure. Don't talk shit about Madonna. Well, you, got, you got a problem with women? Glenn? No, I'm just saying those are the hit songs at the time that okay. this is coming out. How about Warrant? Uh, I don't. Right. Exactly. That's my point. Yeah. Is okay. th- this is a three and a half? But yeah, it's a our, three and a half. Yeah. It, it's not this classic album. It, it has aged weirdly. Um, I'm not running out and buying Janet Jackson in 1990. I'm getting this. Again. Again, again. Rhythm Nation, good album. Um, also, when you talk crap about Wilson Phillips, you're kind of talking bad about uh, Brian Wilson. My bad, my bad. Well, I I just looked at the pop charts. I was just looking at <laughs> okay. what's yeah. what what 1990. What are the 91? Nine, oh well, there's yeah, my problem. See, you messed up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brian Adams. Oh, color right. me bad. Wait, nice. hey, are we going to spend more time talking about this, or you want to get through the Pearl CNC Jam talk? CNC Music Factory. Ooh. I am not buying CNC Music Factory. Call we will, bad, we will be right back. I definitely had a uh, single take a break. Definitely had that single on cassette. Same as same, a kid. You same. Know, I forget what the B side was. It's probably great. That's my defense of giving Ken a three and a half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well. All right. We're okay. We're back. I brought it back. Hi. Yes. It's it's me and, and these guys. We're mm-hmm. talking about Pearl Jam. We're gonna move on to so- uh, album number two of the nineties. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is the goat album. The goat. Al- that's a sheep, right? That's oh. not a goat. I don't know. It could be a guy in a suit. <laughs> Versus <laughs> the guy in a suit album. The guy in yeah. a suit versus Pearl Jam. Yeah. Uh, versus. Who's Pearl Jam against, going against? Uh, well, who they're going against, actually, when that album comes out, is Nirvana. Both Pearl Jam and Nirvana released their follow-ups, highly, highly anticipated follow-ups to 10 and Nevermind, within a week or two of each other, I mm-hmm. want to say, in, in the fall of 1993. And there was definitely this, even among my, my friend group, this... Which one are you going to buy? Who's you know which which side are you picking? Are you a Pearl Jam or a Nirvana? 
Now, I was lucky in that I had an older brother that I shared a room with, and he bought uh, the Nirvana album, and I bought the Pearl Jam album. <laughs> Sucker. He, now, we'll get it right out there. He bought the better album, undoubtedly. Yeah. But versus, let, let's talk about this one. Um, uh, I had never, I think I told you this before. I don't know if we were on the mic or not last episode, but I I did the only Pearl Jam album I listened to in real time when it came out was Vitology. So like okay. I hadn't really ever heard this one at all really oh, until really? now. Okay. Interesting. And, and, and I like it, you know, sort of in retrospect or whatever it's, I'm not really revisiting it. I think it's fine. But at the time there's no way I would have, I would have thought anything of it compared to in utero. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. in utero blew my mind. Yeah. In okay. utero is like other level. Yeah. Where in, and part of that is because there is this, there's like, isn't this the fetus album? There's like, which one in utero? In utero? What do you mean the fetus like, album? There were a bunch like, of like babies and yeah, parts yeah. and stuff. Yeah, right. Like, um, yeah, that was like all super taboo and like it wasn't in it, like you couldn't get it at Walmart. Right. Or, uh, like, well, the, that was more song, because of rape. Me, the song yeah. "Rape Me" was well, called "Wafe Me" in yeah. some sure. versions. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Is like it was mm-hmm. it was edgy. Yeah, it was sure. taboo. Whereas here's Pearl Jam. This one, right. it, all the kids can listen to. Um, I don't know. I I think the cover of verses is more disturbing uh, for me. I think that that sheep is goats are <laughs> in agony or something. Off. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, all right. So verses is kind of an interesting one because I think some of that hair metal element is diminished a little bit. Definitely. Um, some of the worst elements of the production of, of ten are yeah. definitely diminished. It doesn't sound like it was recorded in a cave when actually recording stuff in a cave is, is actually seriously badass. Yeah. <laughs> Tim has already talked about one example. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I did a, a review of the, uh, cavern sounds, um, cave recordings in, in Missouri, which is, is cool, but 10 sounds accounts, like it should be recording in a cave should be badass, but, but recording in a fake cave yeah. as Pearl Jam <laughs> did on 10, not great, but they get rid of, uh, some of that element on mm-hmm. verses and, um, I think this is where they start to become a more interesting band. Definitely. I think the songwriting is just more interesting, not always for the better, but it's more interesting. Yeah. I, I, I'm not nearly as familiar with this one as you are, but my just general impression of it was that, okay, they, I almost get the sense that, you know, with that first one, they were, they were making a big swing. Let's be this big rock band and try to be successful. And now they, they, it, it worked. And now this is kind of like, you know, exhale. Maybe we can write some good songs now or not, not necessarily. Cause there were good songs in their album, but they just mean like, okay, well we're established now. Let's maybe focus less on uh, aesthetics yeah. and more on, I don't know, content, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And, and actually before we get too into like the content of the album, which we'll of course do, I, I want to actually follow up on something else now that I'm, I'm thinking about this angle. We talk about, you know, Glenn had mentioned that Pearl Jam seemed to be like maybe this response to Nirvana. Nirvana, we have this perception that they're the more real, the more authentic, the more genuine or or what have you. There's an interesting dynamic between these two records. You talk about how In Utero would have blown your mind and musically, yeah, like Mm -hmm. it it was a a significant record and and a much better record than Versus, but... Nirvana or, or Pearl Jam did nothing in terms of traditional promotion for verses. Mm-hmm. There was no music video. Mm-hmm. I don't think they put like an advanced single out. They were like 
kind of deliberately made it as this low key thing. It debuted like obviously number one on the charts and it was like this massive, it was, I want to say maybe the biggest selling first week. It was like a million first week sales. And they did that maintaining this like low key Hmm. mysterious sort of persona. Whereas Nirvana music video, right? I mean, heart shaped box video came out well Mm -hmm. in advance. Um, there's that whole manufactured controversy mm-hmm. of the album cover mm-hmm. and the whole, you know, rape me Walmart thing mm-hmm. and all of that. It, it's kind of interesting in juxtaposing yeah. the promotion right. of one and the sound of it versus 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 mm-hmm. huh? the promotion and sound of the other. Like it's almost uh-huh. as if the Nirvana sound flipped, yeah. should have been the promotion for the one and the Pearl Jam mm-hmm. sound should have been the promotion for the other. In a sense, hmm. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it is. It's it, intriguing, and, and part of it. We, we, well, yeah. the only thing I wanted to follow up is that that maybe is some self-preservation defense of myself as taking the Pearl Jam side because there seemed <laughs> to be that air of mystery, I guess, yeah. maybe about it. Um, and yes, Nirvana. Oh, yeah, clearly like put maybe out the it was them kind of relaxing their muscles and thinking, like, well, you know, we're popular enough; we're not going to necessarily try and compete, yeah, sales-wise or whatever. And they didn't have to. Yeah. they still sold Just, a million. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think there's still some of that, like trying to build credibility. You know, it's like whatever. Well, I think maybe some of that was a reaction yeah, to totally, that notion totally. that hey, you know, Nirvana was the authentic band and mm-hmm. Pearl Jam was not. Um, and so maybe yeah, there was this. They and and I, I don't know that I want to look at it in that sort of cynical lens. I actually, I don't know. I think Eddie Vedder actually seems like a, a relatively. Cool guy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, totally. You know, I, I think he definitely, if you take a look, like retreated from that broish element. Yeah. By the time of Versus, I went back and watched their. It was the, the 1993 MTV Music Video Awards, and they, <laughs> they showed up performing on that. And he's got definitely more of like the Kurt Cobain. I don't want the spotlight kind of thing. <laughs> and he's got the over, you know, overgrown hair, and he's like. Kind of huddling. He didn't like climb it. up to a balcony he's and wearing, jump off into the crowd. He's wearing a, a green jacket and just sort of like hunched out until they come out with Neil Young. And, oh. and they do, of course, nice. rocking in the free world because that's what every multi-artist jam session becomes. <laughs> uh, but it is sort of, I don't know, that there is this retreat, I think, that's kind of interesting mm-hmm. um, that, that happens. That he is actually trying to retreat from that spotlight, I think, in some ways. And I think there is authenticity to that. To me, well, I think it just confirms that there's guilt that it was. Contrived. I don't think it's. I don't think it's <laughs> guilt. I think it's a. a He's a, embarrassed. It's a personality thing. Yeah, I mean, and and look, sure. he had his way of dealing with it, and Kurt Cobain had his way of dealing with mm-hmm. it, and Eddie Vedder's is <laughs> is a way of is a much much healthier <laughs> co- like Eddie Vedder like he's like all right being a, a rock star maybe isn't the thing like I just want to hang out and play Neil Young songs on my mm-hmm. ukulele mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. go to Cubs games and like that's that's what I want to do and it's yeah. like okay cool I can hang out with that dude have you guys seen yeah. Hype uh, no no okay. I, I actually in in doing some of the research I, I I spent way too much time trying to find this. It was NBC or ABC, maybe it was CBS, I don't know. I was thinking maybe it was 60 Minutes. But in 1993, in the fall of 93, there was this ridiculous one-hour special on grunge in Seattle. Oh, and I, I just kind of yes. kept trying to dive down the, mm-hmm. the rabbit hole, follow, following, trying to find this thing. Because um, I just remember watching that with my parents. And I don't know, maybe they were concerned about where their, <laughs> their 14-year-old kid was drifting off into or whatever at that point. But uh, So... 
that that was what I really wanted to you see, like to find, in terms yeah, of the yeah. period piece uh, to kind of go back, which is why I went right. back and well, watched that MTV mm-hmm. performance thing and all so that. So just real quick, I, I, I got to recommend Hype. It's a documentary. Yeah, yeah. It came out in like 96 or something. It was so, like so really... Yeah, it's pretty close of the air. Close proximity. Um, but like uh, at the end, this is right around um, Vitology time. At the end, uh, Vetter is there hanging out with this other band and like sitting on a couch and talking about the whole media circus grunge kind of thing. And yeah, he does seem very much like all these people are just here, like taking advantage, man. And it's just like a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He doesn't seem like a guy who's, I mean, I think he got disillusioned with it pretty quick. Yeah. He's not necessarily chasing the fame anymore at that point, I would say. And it was beyond just the fame thing too, Mm -hmm. because there was that whole, Oh, like literally Pearl Jam and Nirvana were like in tiger beat and stuff like not by their own Mm -hmm. choice, but they Mm -hmm. were like these teen idols and Mm -hmm. Eddie Vedder actually like retreated from that. Like he gained a lot of weight after 10, uh, after 10. Like I had this bootleg concert. uh, Well, it wasn't really a bootleg. It was broadcast on the radio and I tape recorded it while it was on. And he had made this comment in the middle of that show about his own weight. And he's like, black Francis has nothing on me now or something (laughs) like that. Um, but yeah, there was like this full on, I don't want this lifestyle. Mm, (laughs) And again, he dealt with it in a healthier way than, uh, than Kurt Cobain did, but yeah. Um, all right. So back to this album. Yeah. I was going to say, what are your highlights? I'm not as familiar with it. I can name a couple songs that I I like. I think there are two legitimately excellent songs on this album. Um, you can guess as to what what they are. I mean, well, how do you feel about "Elderly Woman" behind the counter? I in think small that town? is a fucking great song. Okay, cool. Um, his vocal on the bridge of that song is fantastic. That's the moment where I realized, oh, this guy actually is a great singer. Oh yeah. Uh, the whole um, yeah, just the what's the God? It's been so long. Like that that yeah that that that's a really good song. Okay, yeah. I mean, and then, then this is another one where they really. They're really shifting gears. This is like another example. Well, maybe the first example. What was the one that you said was uh, the launch? Oh, Black. So yeah. this is different from Black. Yeah. But it's still, it's them kind of like, it's a softer side. It's more um, introspective maybe. Yeah. Or, and it also tells a story. Exactly. It's still that storytelling, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's not the woe is me storytelling. Right. Um, yeah. It's not melodramatic, I, I don't think. No. So, so that's yeah, one, definitely good. one of the two highlights for okay. me. And the other is rearview mirror mm-hmm. oh, okay i actually think that's a really cool just sounding song i like that guitar riff i like that it it is not grungy at all mm-hmm. it, it just kind of has this driving uh propulsive momentum to it and yeah i think it's a cool song i'd have to listen to that one again i can't remember it uh the ones i was going to just mention were uh i mean daughter obviously was a big single mm-hmm. yeah that's fine i guess but yeah. i like glorified g it's like his anti-gun song yeah it's a little heavy-handed but it's, yeah, it's but fine still you know at least he's kind of like being I don't know. It's got a good message there, I guess. Well, yeah. WMA it's still, it's still is kind of uh, relevant. Too. WMA yeah. is totally, totally heavy-handed, but mm-hmm. then you also think like, here's this band in you know these these you know WMAs themselves, Dubrose, like yeah. actually tackling the issue of of privilege yeah. and, and police brutality in 1993. Yeah, I'm sure that a lot of this was probably, you know, inspired in the wake of the, um, you know, L.A. riots and and such. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, you listen to that song. And sure, it's a little heavy handed, but I don't know. It, yeah. It, Glorified G and WMA are the mm-hmm. two of the lowest yeah. rated. <laughs> Because they're heavy-handed, yeah. or because yeah, the bros are rated. I mean, heavy-handed is when you, I mean when a real 
huge no. popular band uh, uses its platform just to mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. send those messages out. I mean, heavy-handed or not, that's kind of a yeah. good thing. Yeah. Uh, and they were doing in. that beyond the music, too. This is in the midst of their huge battle Ticket with Ticketmaster yeah, yeah. and all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Uh, I like Dissident, too. That was one that was... Uh, it was on the radio around here, anyway. Okay. Uh, I don't know what it's about. <laughs> It's about a dissident. Yeah. Yes, and, and a woman who takes him in. Oh. The bond that they form together. I, I, I don't love it lyrically. It, it's fine musically. but <laughs> Yeah, one of my notes that I have here is sometimes kicking ass is enough. <laughs> Go and Animal. Those songs both kick ass. Oh, yeah. and it's like, yeah, I like those. There, yeah. There's a... Mm-hmm. That's right, know, I do like Animal. Sort of a visceral go. kind of thing. <laughs> but then I say sometimes it isn't. Blood and Leash. Like, to me, those two songs just kind of suck. Hmm. Okay. Um, Rats is an interesting one, I suppose. It's got kind of a cool bass groove to it, but it, there's not much there as a song. I think they do the kind of sort of wannabe Tom Waits thing better mm-hmm. on the next album. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's good stuff. I, I see this as an album that has higher highs and lower lows. Um, and the lows are maybe just because they're forgettable. Yeah. Um, it has high highs. Like I, I'm not familiar enough with it to comment on the lows i don't think because i probably just forgot them you know is yeah. this mm-hmm. it, it, when is when is neil young come onto the scene i think it was 1969 <laughs> well, <laughs> well actually 66 if you want to go back to buffalo Thank springfield you. as it relates mirrorball was 92 I well think, right? mm-hmm. no 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 mm-hmm. no that would have been probably 94 95 um so he comes onto the scene quite literally in the uh the thing i was just describing that 1993 mtv performance like right. he's this Oh, announced special guest star who comes out after they played Animal. Uh, then then Neil Young walks on stage and they do keep on rocking in the free world, which is now legally required. Um, and yeah, so then that kind of establishes this whole uh, you know forefather of grunge thing that Neil Young got you know this sort of an interesting credit for, I guess. And then yeah, they started recording together. There was the Mirrorball um, thing where they were basically his backing band, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, that was 95. Okay. Um, another note that I have here, <laughs> unearned expletives are yeah. a problem that I have with the first two Pearl Jam albums. Okay. So the specific examples are that I have are Why Go, Jeremy, and Blood. So Why Go's line is something like, she's been diagnosed by some stupid fuck, which is just kind of dumb. And then he also refers to Jeremy as seemed a harmless little little fuck. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) all right, if if you're going to get the... Fuck as a noun. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's kind of dumb. Maybe he was really, I don't remember what year it came in out, but maybe he was just really into Blue Velvet. You know, eighty six. Okay, yeah, yeah. Dennis Hopper's always like, all right, fuck, you ready to fuck? (laughs) Come on, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) And then then like, Bloods is just dumb. It's, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. That that was a problem that I have with, like, if you're going to, if you're going to, Fucking say fuck. At least make it fucking count. Like, uh, I was real confused for a second when we were talking about Mirrorball because I remember a single called Merkin Ball. Correct. Yeah. But I guess that was an EP. It was Pearl just Jam a two EP? two songs. Okay. Um, the the A side, I guess, of it was I Got Id. Yeah. But what what's the? Oh, I'm thinking of the song Downtown. That was the single off of Mirrorball, right? Downtown, let's go downtown. Um, when you're alone and life is getting you lonely. <laughs> hmm. uh, anyway. Maybe, yeah. That, that song has the line, there's a mirror barrel twirling uh, okay, yeah, note yeah, from yeah, Paige. Yeah. 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 Anyway, Merkin Ball, that's like a 
genital wig or something like that, I think. A merkin. Anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's move on. Right. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, rate your music rating for verses. Um, three and a half. Sure, three. I don't know. Maybe four. Maybe like a half a notch higher than the other one. See, to me, it's a three and a half yeah. still. Um, and and probably if I'm even like getting into more micro numbers, it, it's probably more or less the same score for mm-hmm. me. Like yeah. I, 10 has the, the iconic element to it mm-hmm. versus has some higher highs. Again, maybe some lower lows. But th- there is that just sort of weight that 10 kind of carries yeah. is this really important moment uh, or period piece, as I called it earlier. I, I don't know if this is allowed on your music, but I'm going to give it a 3.75 just for losing all the, the reverb. Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. Yeah, that's not allowed there, but I respect you could, that. You could rate it as a four, and then in a month, rate it as a three and a half, and then... Hold that thought. There's one that I keep doing that on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, let's, uh, let's take a break here. Strange Currencies podcast, Pearl Jam sucks. Ooh, <laughs> you've literally just rated their their albums the same way that I did. Right, that's fine. Three, you're right. They're both three and a half. These first two albums, but we need to get to the third, Vitalogy. All right, um, and, and Vitalogy, I have, I you know, I have strong, you know, visceral memories of Vitalogy same. when it came out, mm-hmm. and um, I don't, I don't know how I feel about the artwork today. Oh, um, hey, it, sounds like it's, it sounds like it's time for an episode of uh, Sound of Vision. <laughs> Sound of Vision. Sound of Vision, this is where we uh, talk about all things aesthetic using the rating scale provided to us by David Bowie. The highest rating you can get is? Low. David Bowie's masterpiece. The lowest rating you can get is? Never Let Me Down. Which we have scientifically determined to be David Bowie's worst Worst. album. And comfortable middle ground for things that we can tolerate and accept. We don't love them, we don't hate them. Little shrug, little let's dance. Let's dance, yeah. Oh, I thought it was the song from uh, Labyrinth. Um, oh. Dance magic dance. Oh, well, sure. I think that falls in that category. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. So uh, we are here talking about Pearl Jam today, and we're going to talk about album art. So uh, let's start really quickly with ten. Broish. What do you say? Never let me down. Yeah. I think it's a never let me down. <laughs> it's Definitely. just the hokey puddle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They got their flannel shirts wrapped around their waists and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. High fiving. Don't they have like uh, is, wristbands, is, is, like sweatbands? Is Jeff Hammett wearing one of those stupid fuzzy hats that he was oh, known to wear? I don't know, yeah, yeah. I don't know but it, the cover very easily could be the cover of a Jock Jams competition. <laughs> all right. All right. Never let me down there. Okay. Uh, versus. Uh, low. And low? You, dude, you got a llama on the cover? That's a not sheep? A llama. It's a sheep. <laughs> I don't it's care. Good. You put a barnyard animal on a cover? <laughs> low. In uh, black and white with almost no other white, text. Yeah. With like a like a fisheye lens. <laughs> Muddy. It's like off kilter. Low. 
Been there, done that. Paul hmm. McCartney already did it with Ram. Yeah. So, hey, uh, and low. That's a low album cover. Um, I'll I'll say less. So is Pet Sounds low album cover. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> put a put a put a barnyard animal. I'll go Dance Magic Dance. Yeah. I do like it. Um, maybe. Uh, Dance Magic Dance can be in between Let's Dance and Low. Um, I'm just I'm gonna don't, not commit. Don't confuse the, the system. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be on. non-committal on all of these things. Let, let's dance. Uh, okay, um, let's skip Vitalogy for just a second because we'll come back and have a more extended right. conversation about it. Uh, no code. Oh, it's so different Polaroid photographs. Yeah, yeah the po- this is the Polaroid album. Um, yeah, the, the real thing actually comes with like poster, right. the whole Polaroid, cool. and it opens up and folds out, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. Except for on vinyl, it doesn't actually fit into an outer sleeve, which pisses me off. So really? for that, I'm not going to give it a, a low. I'm going to have it top out at Let's Dance, but it's at least a Let's Dance. I think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, let's dance or low. Uh, dance magic dance is that? What, no, it, it, no, no. All right, no. Uh, I'm gonna go let's dance just because. Just because it's um, it, okay. It, it's kind of been done. Yeah. Like I mean, Exile on Main Street, right. Octung Baby, like had done that similar. Hey, we're gonna put a bunch of different pictures on an album. It, yeah, cover, it feels but, like mailing it in, or we don't have another. But it's idea cool. I or, like it. I never owned it. I've never held it in my hand, so I, I don't really know. I'm going to have to go Let's Dance just based on like yeah. being neutral I about it. I think it's it. fair. It looks cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, yield. Mm, I kind of don't like this one. Yeah. Um, I always thought it was kind of a weird, boring cover. It seems very sterile. Yeah. And kind of generic. And it's a good photo, but like... Mm. Yeah. The, the photo is actually good, but I don't know. Let's Dance. I think Let's Dance is fine. I don't dislike it, so I'm not going to yeah. put it in, in Never Let Me Down. It's not 10, but it, yeah, it's it How about tops Never Let Me Let's Dance? Dance. <laughs> That'll be the halfway point on that side. No, Let's Dance Magic Dance it. will be on the other stop side. It. Okay. All right, let's get back to Vitology then. Um, so this one, when it came out, basically the CD is inside of a book. Yeah. Right. This blew my mind too. Yeah, this it, was it did, yeah. when it came out. Yeah. yeah. My uh, my good friend Jack, friend of the show, uh, friend of the podcast, friend of, of Constrange Currencies contributor, he he bought this album as a lot of us did on mm-hmm. release day, and uh, he just has this goofy sense of humor about stuff. And he said, seriously, I thought when I bought it, like it was a book, like I, I couldn't find the CD in there. And he said, no <laughs> book is worth twelve dollars. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a book. Yeah. And the the vinyl version of it actually, which I did, I went out and bought. I actually found yeah, it. Yeah, what's uh, that like? It's not as good actually. I really? actually prefer the CD version because the vinyl one just has a kind of standard outer cover, and then the okay. stuff is all inside of a you know twelve by twelve book, but it has like multiple pages on one um, page because the actual weird. CD had like yeah. each individual yeah. page. There were 20 some pages, <sighs> whereas the vinyl version, it, it shrinks it down to, to others. It's so I actually, this that. is the one example that I can think of right now where I prefer the CD, CD version. It's funny considering um, a CD is like bad acid, not for production or consumption, which it says in the lyrics to yeah. uh, Spin the Black Circle, uh-huh. which is a tribute to vinyl records. Yeah. So, anyway. But, but yeah, and maybe the original's different. Perhaps I don't know, but you know, yeah, vinyl wasn't the mm. the predominant. Like they actually released this album on vinyl earlier. I would assume, yeah. Um, than than the CD because they were actually I think trying to encourage people to buy the vinyl, or it was just sort of this like gift to people who were staying loyal to vinyl. But right, because didn't it come out on vinyl first? It, it's like a week or two yeah. before, yeah. Um, but the CD version, 
it's badass. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's awesome. The gold, the gold leafy. Well, it's not just the it's, cool it's, it's the inside, the, just the yeah. sort of repurposing mm-hmm. of this creepy ass old turn of the century, yeah. basically mm-hmm. medical guide, and and just some of the. Mm-hmm. I don't. It, it's super super cool because it's also like there's these other sort of notes that are scrawled inside of it, and and elements of the song lyrics that that find their way. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of my favorite album packaging. Yeah. You know, projects, period. I yeah. think it's great. Um, and even at the like bottom of my interest in Pearl Jam, where I kind of went through this phase of rejecting all things that I liked when I was 13, 14, whatever mm-hmm. years old, I would have still said, yeah, it's a freaking awesome album packaging. It, it's an easy low for me. Mm-hmm. I love it. Same for me, low. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I need to go back and look at it again now and see if it holds up. I haven't. Yeah, so, it, it's really but- good. You know, I remember it being low when it came out. And it, so the fact that it's memorable and... It, it's cool. It's got a creepy vibe to it. And it adds another element, I think, to that album of just sort of this dark, weird kind of, I don't know, this mm-hmm. vibe yeah. that they tried in such a heavy-handed way to add into 10 mm-hmm. in terms of just the sound of it. And I think they are able to to create that atmosphere on this record much better in, in terms of sound. We'll get back to that in just a minute. But I think the visual aesthetic just really lines up very well with it. Yeah, and I, I'm really annoyed. I just pulled it up on Discogs to see if like every page of the booklet was represented, and it's not. At mm-hmm. least not on this first one I found. I, I have the CD somewhere. I, uh, I think I do in too. A, in a bin. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, most of my CDs are packed away, but... Yeah, low. Yeah, Easy low. Yeah. Yep. All right. That was a great episode of Sound and Vision. Excellent episode. Uh, let's get back to this album then. Um, it's artsier. It, yeah. It's deliberately weird. Is it, isn't this the album that now Vetter actually had more creative? He starts to assume a lot more control creatively nice. of it. Um, the hair elements of it are almost yeah. entirely absent, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is great. They are a much better band without uh, without yep. that element. Um, yeah, I mean this, it's it's so good. Like I think the whole album is is a highlight. <laughs> there there are I have no so, notes. Well, if you if you look at the you know going back to rate your music, there's all these complaints by people like, oh, Bugs is terrible. <laughs> Bugs and is great. And yeah, that's Foxy Mop Handle Mama oh, is terrible. <laughs> Both of those add such an element of intrigue to yeah, that album. Absolutely. It's like they are willing to mm-hmm. to say, you know what, we might be like the biggest band in the world at this moment, and we're gonna deliberately fuck yeah. with your head and make weird stuff. And it's not just for the sake of being weird. It's like actually contributes well. Both of those songs fit in well with that album. Yeah. Um, and there's just these other kind of weird elements. Like the first 15 seconds of the album basically uh-huh. sound like Trout Mass Replica. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is a fade up of all these kind of like burp, 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 kind of stuff going on. I, this was one of the first CDs I got, I think. And I had just gotten a portable CD player and head, like decent headphones and I just like as soon as I press play on this, it brings me back to hearing that in the headphones, like yeah. Yeah. with the volume cranked and just like, oh, this is really cool. This yeah. is like special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's it's a legit excellent album. Yeah, I, I very much like it. Even with like the more radio friendly songs that are kind of peppered throughout, and like um, like Nothing Man, like Better Man, mm-hmm. those kind of things, uh, you could consider them low points, I guess. Yeah, but they're still pretty good. I Be- think Nothing Man is really good. Better Man, I can kind of give or take, but exactly what I put here. Better Man, mm-hmm. good song, but does it fit? Yeah, it's like, like we gotta have a single. 
at least well, one single. But they, they didn't. I don't think they ever made yeah, that. Maybe the not, single was, that was Tremor Christ and Spin the Black Circle. Really? It was like a double A side or whatever. And those were the two songs that I remembered the, hearing on the radio that's before weird. the album. But I'm sure Better Man got radio play for around, sure. Yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say around here, our radio station never played those two songs, but did play Better Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Better Man's a good song. It... it Apparently he yeah. wrote it when he was a teenager. It oh, was like okay. an old song and they had, had oh, yeah, like yeah. even talked about putting it on one of the first two records and it sort of didn't mm-hmm. didn't fit. It, it's a good song, but yeah, I don't I think it sort of takes the listener out of the experience of the album in a sense because it's cleaner, it's more direct. It, it's not yeah, but it's weird still, and abstract. It's still moody though. It, it is. At the start at least. Um I think it kind of fits. I don't know. I find I for some reason I like Nothing Man a little better in general because mm-hmm. like both songs are like sort of showcases for his voice yeah and you know sometimes it's nice to to hear his voice and sing along just because he's such a good singer yeah. I don't know uh, you you called that an album of highlights but what would you say mm-hmm. is your top moment on it um bugs. I mean, I love Bugs. I don't know. If, I mean, yeah. It's very Daniel Johnston. It it's is. very Tim. It's very Tim. That's it's, what I would have thought. It's very Tim's Tim. But I mean, I don't know. Not For You is probably up there in terms of one of the better songs. Uh, I think it's really kind of about the grunge thing. And like, I mean, that's how it's used in that documentary is mm-hmm. like, this is not your thing. Yeah. Go home. Um, but you know, spin the black circle. I was actually surprised spin the black circle was track two. I remembered it being lower down cause it's just like, it seems like so loud and like huh. aggressive, like they would save that. But this really comes out of the gate strong. Like last exit is, is really high yeah. energy and spin mm-hmm. the black circle is really loud. Spin the black circle is pretty cool. I was yeah. uh, listening to the, to the album, um, you know, in preparation for this and, and Remy contributor to strange currencies come, came in and was like, this is Pearl jam. Like nice. I had no idea. Like nice. this is actually really cool. Um, Ooh, that, really that, that perception of, of, I think the other generation you know, below us is like, Oh, mm-hmm. Pearl Jam's just this, you know, mm-hmm. Jeremy and mm-hmm. alive, but yeah. Uh, oh, but you, you just mentioned Corduroy. Corduroy's Corduroy really is good. a fantastic mm-hmm. yeah. song. That, mm-hmm. that is a great, great piece of music. It has that oh. weird darky was, vibe yeah, like that, that turns into a, just sort of this like classic right. Pearl yeah, Jam and song. And it kind of creeps in that whole weird yeah. kind of sounding fade up fade up and then he just starts screaming but then he's like yeah that that might be his best melody um it's yeah that's legitimately Uh, are we gonna play are we gonna play some music on here you know what we kind of got away from that i guess uh we we were going to if we're going to this might be the one to sure I, i think you know just rather than than break that uh I'll just say, hey, go listen to the, one this album because yeah, this yeah. album is actually really good. But Corduroy is a, a good entry point to it. it. It's a great song. Yeah. Um. All right. So I was listening to this on uh, my streaming service, and uh, it's um, the expanded edition has "Stupid Mop." Is that a Foxy? Yeah, yeah. Same, same track. It had different names depending on what part of the packaging you were looking at. Yeah. Okay. One of them was Hey Foxy Mop Panel Mama, that's me, and then the other was Stupid Mop, I think, on the whichever place had less space. Got it. Got yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's something that he recorded off of a television special or something, like people at a in a patients in a mental hospital, like something like that, yeah. Yeah. Like Fascinating. I loved it. Well, and that yeah. fits in so much with like the, just the packaging of the album yeah. because there's all this, again, clinical, bad yeah. turn of the century psychology yeah. references yeah. in there. 
And it's like stuff that's a step away, ba- barely a step away from phrenology mm-hmm. that's like referenced in yeah. the booklet. And so, yeah, like it's this interesting juxtaposition. And with, it's the closer. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's really unsettling. It's, it's like closer. eight minutes long of, of, of this. For, for it's their, their Revolution 9, if you will. Yeah. yeah. So for, for the purposes of that and bugs, I'm inching this towards a four. Oh, it, it, it's easily a four. Uh, it, I'm tempted to give it a three and a half, but oh, no. I'm inching the, it towards a four. Just Glenn, Glenn, this is a legitimately excellent album. I'm giving uh, it five. Are you really? <laughs> yeah, why not? I, 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 couldn't, I don't think I could even go four and a half on it, but viewed in, in a I'm certain at least light. four and a half. Yeah, it, it's a really good record. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem that I might have in terms of making it a four and a half We'll get to as we talk about the the last couple, All right. but uh, well, yeah, talk. I mean, I'll give it a, I will give it a four and a half because it's not perfect, but yeah. I. It's, it's good. It's my favorite of all of these oh, we're talking easily, about. Yeah, easily yeah, the best fun. of the five, mm-hmm. and, and I think again a legitimately very very good album. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk about no code. Strange Currencies podcast. We are three fifths of the way through in terms of albums covered, but I think we'll probably hit the uh, the last two yeah. a little more quickly. Those top three are the ones that like they're, they're resonate with, and, and I think that that cause a lot of emotional mm-hmm. connection. Com- commercially speaking, the band is on a downturn. I think after Vitology, I think they did alienate some fans by making mm-hmm. a legitimately weird album, and maybe rightfully so. I mean, they changed a lot in three years. Yeah, a shit ton. Yeah, so where, it's understandable. Where, where think, are they in the t- Ticketmaster crisis during No Code? Like I grudging acceptance, I oh, think, okay. uh, of the reality that Ticketmaster is a bullshit monopoly behemoth um, that they, they ended up having to. They really struggled to try to put on tours in venues that didn't deal with Ticketmaster, right. and, mm-hmm. and it really kind of kept them from being able to, you know perform for their fans and, and that's one thing I'll, I'll give this band credit for they seem to genuinely care a whole lot about their fan base um sometimes to the point of where it gets absurd like releasing legit releasing every show from yeah. their 2000 tour <laughs> on cd because like i don't know if you were a completist of the band at that point Boy, like, Jesus. yeah um but they look, have look. 284 live albums. <laughs> yeah. on yeah. I have I have a couple of them just because they were like, I don't know, eight bucks at Walmart or whatever. I was oh, all right. um, okay, let's talk uh, 1996's No Code. So Pearl Jam's fourth album. Um, we've already given its album cover a, uh, a Let's Dance. I think collectively we arrived on mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about the uh, the album itself, though. Um, this is another one I'm not super familiar with. I yeah, listened to it like same. once for this project, but um, very chill mm-hmm. for at least I guess what would be side one. Like I'm just like, what the hell? I mean, it's some, it's pretty good. Some yeah. of it's pretty good, but it's just like completely different vibe. Mm-hmm. 
like they just aren't making a rock album this time until it gets to a little bit further on in the album and like Lucan and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, they're still rocking, but for some reason they clumped all those songs together over here. And then mm-hmm. they started off with all these, even some like Hare Krishna vibes, you yeah. know? So, yeah. Oh, well the single for it was, mm-hmm. uh, who you are. Yeah. Um, which definitely has that kind of, I don't know, Hare Krishna vibe as mm-hmm. you just called it. I think it's a great song. Yeah, actually. it's good. Um, like Beatlesque, even yeah, in totally. just sort of its arrangements, and I got that—that's that's a highlight from it. Um, I think there are other highlights from this one too. Like I don't know, this is I think stylistically maybe every bit as diverse as Vitology. It just doesn't quite have that same consistent. Mm-hmm. vibe and mood and cohesion maybe well, that Vitology does. How do you feel about the sequencing? Do you think if they had mixed it up a little bit and maybe alternated a little bit between the rockers and the non-rockers, it might have... I have to go back and actually look. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they, they pull a weird move by starting off with such a like low-key yeah. song. Um, I, but then kind of go in right into that sort of classic Pearl Jam rocker with a Hail Hail. Oh, is that a little bit more up-tempo? Up yeah. Okay. The only one that stood out to me was Lucan because it's like a minute long. It's one minute long. Mm-hmm. It's super aggro and loud. It's named after Matt Lucan, mm-hmm. who was a founding member of the Melvins. Got abandoned by them when they moved to San Francisco. Dale told him, or uh, Buzz told him, hey, I'm going to move to SF and live with uh, Lorax. Uh, see ya. The band's breaking up. Bye. But then Lucan later found out that uh, Crover went with him and then they just started the band with Lorax down there. Mm. Um, Lucan went on to be a founding member of Mudhoney mm-hmm. and he's just this weird, this funny character at this point, this funny old man. Uh, but apparently Vetter had a stalker at this time or at some point and he would have to hide at Lucan's house. Hmm. And that's what the song is about. Like okay. this crazy stalker says she bought a gun and like, I just got to lay low here for a while. And the reason it's one minute long is because Matt Lucan always made fun of him for how long Pearl Jam songs are, which is <laughs> not a bad point. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, that's my highlight. All right. Yeah, I think it's kind of a cool song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now hearing that backstory uh, makes it even more yeah. interesting. Yeah, I think the front half is actually really pretty strong. I, I mm-hmm. like all of those songs. Um, and I don't know, maybe the sequencing is weird, but I think they kind of put that foot forward of like, this is a really diverse sort of record. Yeah. I think in some ways that's sort of reflected in the album packaging too. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. oh, here's all these different images and the, the album has different vibes to it. Um but yeah, no, I think that whole first half is pretty good. Um, on the second half, I like Red Mosquito. I think that's a pretty good song. Present Tense is kind of interesting. I like Mankind, too, which is like this weird 60s vibey, like rave up that Stone Gossard, I think, sings lead on. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's like the only Pearl Jam song, at least from this era, that, that Eddie Vedder isn't the vocalist. And yeah, I like that, too. Like a spoken word one on there. Um I alluded earlier, this is an album where I, that there was an album that I kind of go back and forth between that three and a half and four. Mm -hmm. There are times where I hear this one where I think, yeah, this could be a light four. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like it definitely more than, than 10 and, uh, and verses. Verses, okay. Uh, Just because I think it's consistently interesting. Yeah. It it, it wears better than, Mm -hmm. it's not as time, it's not as, you know, it has aged, aged better, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it feels of a pair with Vitology to me in in a way. Um, like mm-hmm. I think you can can bundle up ten and verses together as sort sure, of sure similar. They're mm-hmm. kind of of a of a shared 
vibe yeah. or, or era. And, and I think you can do the same for Vitology and No Code. Um, you could you could sub some songs out from one album to the other and, and still have it be a relatively okay. cohesive experience. Well, do you think though this is like a kind of a response to Vitology too, as far as like trying to win some fans back by being less weird? No, I think it is weird. Though. Really? No, it's yeah, still weird. yeah. I mean, it's Lu- weird in Lucan a is way, Lucan's weird. Sure. Um, sometimes it's just like this sort of insular, like huh. kind of vibey thing again. <laughs> uh, again who you are has got like to. eastern instrumentation stuff yeah. in my mm-hmm. trees like basically almost all drums maybe it's it's um, weird but less smiles spooky? smiles got like uh the harmonica okay yeah would you call so it smile sp- smiles basically a neil young song right would you call it spooky because i would call vitology spooky see that and so that's the thing Correct. i think the song sounds similar but it doesn't have that consistently spooky, spooky okay. vibe right. that vitology cool. does yeah, yeah. which is why i think vitology is a better album it just mm-hmm. maintains that vibe okay Um, which is an impressive thing to do over the course of an entire album. I mean, maintaining any kind of vibe, unless you're just like the vibe is we only do one thing like ACDC or something, (laughs) but, but no, like there's weirdness in there. Lucan again is a weird Mm -hmm. song. Present tense is divided into these two kind of quiet, loud, um, like Kraut Rocky, almost second half to it. In fact, you got a spoken word song. There's a spoken word song. There's a stone Gossard song. song. Like, so yeah, it's, yeah, it, I think it's, like I said, every bit as diverse and one might argue weird as uh, Vitology. It's just somewhat different uh, vibe packaged differently or, or what have you. But I actually think this is a pretty good album. Um, I, I'm going to, I'll go ahead and commit to it being a light four. Mm, no, whereas whereas Vitology is a heavy four. Mm, three and a half. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, well, you've only heard it once. I've only heard it once. <laughs> twice, so it's, it's hard to rate anything that you've only heard once. Um, but I mean, I'm just thinking against the other ones. I mean, it's lower than mythology, probably a little higher than verses. Uh, cause you know, like they, what they've been doing this whole time is maturing as artists, I think, you know, so everything is kind of a little bit better than the previous one. But I still like Vitology more. I guess. Oh, this one's definitely not better. I mean, this, right? But I, I, the way in which I maybe bundle these two records together is they albums three and four sound like the band that they wanted to become. Okay, and that they were comfortable being Pearl Jam, those five dudes mm-hmm. on those two albums, mm-hmm. um, and then after that things seem to change a bit. There, this is them still in that that young vital era you could say for a band right because you know certain things happen when a band's been together for a long time unless they're a very very special case some of that uh you know vital nature sort of i don't know things get rote and routine and and you just sort of repeat old habits and they're still exploring on these records but they're still in that that period where there is a vibrancy to the music and they've just seemed to become a better, more interesting band than they were on the first two records with these second two. And you know, me giving that a, giving them a four is is acknowledging that I think this is just part of a better era than those first two records. Sure. Yeah, I can, I can see that. That's not saying much, though. Well, <laughs> considering again, yeah. three and a half, Glenn is is this is a good album. Okay. Yeah, it's, you might, you yeah. might not love it, but it's right. at least you're saying sure. this is a good sure. album that definitely there's. It's not yeah. CNC music. <laughs> I give it a three point five as just for not being familiar with it. Yeah. If I ever become familiar with it, I'm probably gonna give it a four. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why these are the two that I that I bought on vinyl. One, I found them, and 
couldn't find verses. I was like, all right, I'll have that one just because there's a few songs on there that I like. But I was actually pretty enthusiastic to buy these two on vinyl because I think they're they're legitimately pretty good records. All right. Let's legitimately talk. Legitimately pretty good. Legitimately okay. pretty good. Well, I, I think Vitalogy is <laughs> legitimately an excellent album. Sure, yeah. 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 All right. Uh, well, let, without taking another break, yeah, let's, let's just transition let's just... right into Yield. This is uh, 1998. This was the one where they tried to win back fans. I would agree mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, 98. Um, and it seems kind of transparent in some ways. Yeah. Uh, like, like, hey, we're back to being Pearl Jam. Right. It kind of works on me. Like, it's, it's good. It's rocking. You know, it's fun. I, I like it pretty well. I do the evolution a lot. Yeah, um, I was w- kind of hoping you were going to wait before saying anything <laughs> about that song, just because I kind of wanted uh, to build up to some conversation about what we thought were highlights or lowlights. Too late now. Yeah, you, you opened that. <laughs> let's come back to a conversation about specific songs, but just sort of the album in general, mm-hmm. taking that you know wide angle uh, view of it, which yeah, album cover I guess. But um, <laughs> it does feel like a kind of deliberate attempt to. I don't know if I want to use the phrase course correction, but it kind of seems like yeah. that. It's like, all right, well, we're going to meet halfway between the first two albums and the second two albums. It's not going to be as as openly weird, but we're also not going back to that sound that by 1998, a whole <laughs> lot of other shitty, shitty bands had, yeah. had plagiarized. Yeah, kind of a compromise. I mean, it sounds like they just want, they want to quote unquote rock without being douchey. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think to use again the uh, album cover as metaphor, it's kind of a middle of the road album. Like a safe bet. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Um, with that said, there are parts of it that I think are actually really kind of kind of good mm-hmm. and interesting. Um, and then there are parts that are sort of forgettable, I guess. You've mentioned your highlight. Yeah. Well, I was going to say surface level, I think, you know, just on first glance, I do like this one a little better than No Code. But okay. again, I am i can't really even speak on it. Um, but yeah, I like, and I like Brain of Jay. I think it's a good, mm-hmm. good opener. I like yeah. Give Him to Fly um, and Do the Evolution. I like partially because I remember when the video came out and it was a really cool like anime style thing. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a really cool video. Mm-hmm. And it was like the first video they had made since Jeremy too. Right. Yeah. So... Just memories with that or whatever. Um, it, it's a it's a pretty cool song. Yeah, it is in, in its way. It, it's yeah, uh, it's just really interesting. The production of it and and yeah, I think it's a good song. Yeah, I like the way when he says it's herd behavior. I like how he says that herd behavior. <laughs> I like his like ridiculously pathetic scream at the beginning of it because it just like sort of deteriorates into this like. <laughs> kind of thing but um it, yeah that that's a cool song i, yeah, I actually really do like it like. um given the flies fine but it, it just really yeah. strikes me as a very middle of the road yeah. kind of it sorry dave but it kind of sounds a little bit like foo fighters to mm-hmm. me like it could just be that bland fm rock anthem yeah. Is and this, it also like really borrows heavily from going to California. Is this like another Bush song or Bush album? That's what it it feels like. Yeah, it just feels like that. Bush the band. Yeah. No, they always wanted to be like a British Nirvana. Well, but. it just feel it, it just feels like more anthemy. You know, maybe hard rocky. Yeah. Yeah. Some yeah. Anthony stuff in hiding is a little bit like that. 
I think for me, listening to this one, and I bought this album when it came out, and I think I liked it actually quite a bit uh, when it came out, but I think just sort of maybe 20-some years of perspective and hearing a lot of other mm-hmm. music that went far beyond what Pearl Jam was doing, that it hasn't uh, grown, really, um, I guess, with, with other elements of my taste, and it just kind of seems eh, there in a lot of ways. And I think I also sort of hit a bit of Pearl Jam fatigue. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be totally yeah, honest. Yeah, like that's... having listened uh, to the other ones multiple times and then coming to listening to this one multiple times, it was like, all right, you know, they've peaked already. And now they're yeah. on this kind of downward trajectory. That, that was my read. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think this one's anywhere near as good as the previous two. I, me with bands, like I'll get super into, into them for a while and then like completely forget about them. And I, I've long since forgotten about them at this point. Mm-hmm even before no code, just like Vitology blew my mind. And then I was just like, Oh, <laughs> Pearl Jam. Who are they? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, I think that's a good, I think that's a good summation of my feelings about Pearl Jam in general mm-hmm. is just fatigue. I'm just, oof, I want to, well, I definitely hit that fatigue by the time of the next album. I actually bought binaural or yeah. whatever it's called and, and was just pretty thoroughly unimpressed with it. Mm-hmm. It just was very, very forgettable to me. Um, and now kind of going back and listening to yield, it's almost like outside of do the evolution. Mm-hmm. It to me is kind of a forgettable album. Mm. Um, not bad. Never bad. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's fine. I, I maybe, I don't know. This is the only one I didn't give like a, it, it's three and a half for me for sure. But in terms of like those smaller micro numbers, like mm-hmm. I, I could have said, you know, one, two, three, four, five. And like, here's the, I don't know. 7.7 or, or whatever. And I can't really commit to this one easily. Yeah. Like, I think it's probably, I would rate it lower than 10, but I might like it more. Like, <laughs> I don't know. scale of one through five, you'd rate it lower than 10. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, they, they really mess versus, with the uh, numbers. There. Versus, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, can I do something real quick? Yes, please do. I'm going to play it on my phone so you don't have to worry about like sticking this up oh, later. okay. I don't like this song. But I noticed something about Wishlist. I gotta wait for the vocal to come in. Is it right here? Yeah. I bet there's rich folks eating in a fancy dining car. They're probably drinking coffee and smoking big cigars. And it keeps going. Well, I know I had it coming. Oh, wait, it keeps... Oh, see, I got the, t- the amount of repeats wrong. So are you saying that right here that you can do the other part? Yeah. I think, right? This is where it kind of shows up. Yeah. Well, I know I had it coming. And I know I can't be free. But those people keep on moving. And that's what tortures me. So what you're saying is Eddie Vedder shot a man in Reno just to watch him die? I think this is his way of admitting that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Eddie, let's... come on. Folsom Prison Blues, just one of those overlap Violence things. Violence is not the answer, Eddie. Mm-hmm. Someone should have done a mashup of this in the 90s at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. All right. Just well, an observation. Now I will never hear that song the same way again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't love that one either. It just it seems 
kind of... It's kind of schmaltzy. Yeah, I don't know. Schmaltzy is a good way to put mm-hmm. it. And it's not bad. It's it, It's got a, you know... It's bland. It's kind of charming, but it's also kind of bland. It, it seems very... Sorry, Dave. Foo Fighter-ish. <laughs> Foo Fighter-ish. Yeah. Um, all right. So, I don't know. Do the evolution's fine. Thing. Do the evolution is pretty pretty badass, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah. other than that, fatigue. Yeah. I think fatigue set in, both in real time when mm-hmm. this album came out um, and, and just in this exercise of going yeah. back and, and listening. Um, for me, the, yeah, the definite heart of Pearl Jam is albums three and four uh, mm-hmm. to where I would recommend them. Yeah, sure. Um, especially Vitology. Yeah. Very good album. Apparently this band is still putting out albums. I have no a idea what they're them. like. Well, yeah. actually, I would say a lot. I think they're... they're Frequency has has definitely sure. diminished. Um, what, what kind of venue are they playing these days? Are, they, are they, they're still a pretty big a draw, concert draw. Right? Like yeah. they are one of those bands that that's how they make all their money. I would imagine. Like they're not probably not selling like platinum levels of albums or whatever. They have a really loyal fan base, yeah. um, and they've done a lot of great things. I think to cultivate and and to to hold on to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I think they are still a probably pretty good sized concert draw. And uh, I'm sure they sell a decent amount of records. I think a lot of the people who are into Pearl Jam are the people who are still like physically buying CDs and yeah, and so. records and such. Um, you know, sure. and I remain a, a definite well wisher um, mm-hmm. of the band. I, I I think they seem like you know outside of the the rotating cast of drummers in this time period that we looked at here. We didn't really cover that a whole lot, but there's like four different drummers during this era. But other than that, I mean, they seem like a relatively just stable, chill, yeah. easygoing yeah. group of guys it's that are maybe like not as like... bro-ish as they might have originally yeah. appeared. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Eddie Vedder, again, like I already said, is a Cubs fan, but I can live with that. That's <laughs> fine. The Cubs, Cubs are no imminent threat. So, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, yeah, no, they're... Uh, Go Pearl Jam, <laughs> like, and and I wish them well. I I absolutely wish them well, and not just in the sense that I don't wish them any specific harm. That's more where I'm at with like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm a well wisher in that I don't mm-hmm. wish them any specific harm. Vetter was in the new Twin Peaks, so he gets, he gets oh, bonus points for okay. that. Too. I still haven't watched the. the he, he does a little performance at the Roadhouse. By the way, Edward Lewis Severson the third. Um, by the way, yeah. recognizing Julie Cruz. Oh, uh, that's that right. Was a, that was a tough. Maybe that's why that popped into my head. Julie yeah. Cruz passed mm-hmm. away. Yeah, yeah. The um, singer at the Roadhouse. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, all right, Pearl Jam. My final evaluation of the Pearl Jam in the nineties: three and a half. <laughs> Pearl Jam in the nineties. That sounds good. Three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll get sure. behind but, that. But Vitology makes me want to say four. <laughs> no, I, I'm. No, just vitology. Yield really. makes me want to say three. Well, yeah. yield's not bad. It's just kind of there. Yeah. All right, uh, Tim. Your final thought? Uh, I like I said. I mean, this is supposed to be revisiting, but really, the only one of these five that I revisited really was vitology. So I don't even know if so, my opinion counts this whole so, episode. So you completely messed up. You were supposed to like go back and In inform ten year old Tim <laughs> yeah. to hey, pay attention. You're gonna someday be on a podcast that you don't get paid for. <laughs> and uh, I, I have some instructions for you. A podcast? Yeah. Fishing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my whole experience with Pearl Jam is radio and vitology. Okay. So for me, 
based on those things, like, yeah, they rate pretty high, you know, just for that small little window in the 90s in my actual life. And then add in all these other albums that I never listened to. I guess that elevates them a little bit because, like, I don't know. I don't know. Vitology was way up here. And the radio singles were pretty high up there, too, for, you know, 10-year-old me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh but then I didn't stick with them, yeah. so I must not have been that impressed. Which is maybe hard to do for 10-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. You know, go out and or Nirvana maybe just CDs. completely overshadowed them or something. I'm not yeah. really sure. Well, which is reasonable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Nirvana but I, was I the better heard, band. I probably heard in utero before Vitology, though. I don't know. Uh, who knows? Yeah, they're great. Fine. Whatever. 3.5. <laughs> all right. All right. right. Uh, who, who do we revisit next? We know we're revisiting 311 next year. <laughs> but, uh, we'll I have love to... that that's next year. Mm. <laughs> do we, we want to pretty... record it on 311 or release it on 311? We can't release it on a Saturday. We, we record on Saturdays. Yeah. So, yeah. Break the rules. Maybe time. we can score an interview with 311. Maybe we'll do a live episode. <laughs> yeah. We'll get uh, Nick Hexham in, in the garage here in the studio. All right. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Well, let's take one last quick break and then come back and wrap this thing up. Strange Currencies podcast. Um, yeah. Great episode. I'd give it a three and a half. <laughs> Six and a half. Three. Oh. Three. Seven. Come on. <laughs> I need to like angrily storm out of this <laughs> studio anyway. You so. need to like, as you storm you out. You kids, I'm out of here. Uh, we are, uh, we're in the middle of Garage Rock summer right now here at the, uh, <laughs> The strange currencies. He's really leaving. Glenn, sign off first. Yell, yell, uh, yeah. uh, heyo. Heyo! <laughs> You're fired. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. Tim. Um, he had a heart out, really. We, he's got a baseball game to go to or something. Yeah, no. He's, he's very angry. Very angry, yes. So and am I. He has just been fired. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, Tim. Yes. It's been great having you here. Thank uh, you. Somebody who, who is not as cynical and are we going to talk shit about Glenn while he's not here <laughs> and a Dodgers fan not as loud yeah, yeah. not as tall mm-hmm. it's tall people you can't trust them they are the worst <laughs> yeah uh, so anyway um, for the Strange Currencies podcast I'm Matt and I'm Tim and Glenn has been fired Ooh, Glenn. Yeah. we'll see you next time bye <laughs>